This is the Sea to Sky podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Sea Sky Podcast. My name is Marcus, sitting with Josh Thome, a local filmmaker, and uh, you are National Geographic Explorer and filmmaker, and you've got loads of projects. You have a project coming into town at the Eagle Eye Theater soon. We'll get to that, but Josh, welcome to the program, and uh, wow, you've been you've been busy in the filmmaker world for a long time. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. It's great to be here with you and share some stories with the community. Yeah, it's been an amazing journey. Uh, it started in high school with a little environmental club, and it became part of launching this huge network of 60,000 students across the country within a year. And that led me, then I got invited down to California to do a similar thing. There was a group that wanted to build that network and then presented for hundreds of thousands of students throughout the U.S. And then we started getting invited to other countries and building similar networks. And so we had this message and there was a demand for it. And I eventually had the opportunity to put that into a video format um, and I was able to pull in a couple celebrity influencers at that point, Michael Stipe from R.E.M. and Adam Yelk of Beastie Boys and kind of have them bookend it a little bit and MTV picked it up and they broadcast it worldwide as their Earth Day special and this was in 1997 and that was my first video. All of the outreach you were work. quite young in 97. Yeah, I was fairly young fairly then. Young. Yeah. So you're already going <laughs> so. national at a, at a pretty young age. With bookended by you know big major talent at the time is, is quite a feat. All Every project I've been involved in seems like it shouldn't have happened. To, you know, it was really, there was such a, I don't know, call it a fluke or call it a miracle or call it both. It's just the way it comes together is always the most interesting story for me because, and, and it's just so full on, I haven't, I've never really had the opportunity to document that part of it, but I would just love to document that part of it some at some point because it's it's just so off the charts ridiculous sometimes how things come together and from that moment of commitment of going for it what comes of that you know there's a couple of really great quotes i'm sure that people have probably seen them float floating around their facebook feed yeah. of like when one commits then you know the universe changes and a line of events ha- happen yeah, that you, you can't you, predict you do whatever you true. can to get it done right and it, it's, it's one of those things where especially in the film work because i i've worked in the film work a little bit in, in, as a producer and it's one of those things where you need when you commit and you know about the, the financial commitment and the time commitment you're going to do whatever you can to get it to work right and then when you're with you know you surround yourself with other creative minds and then you take in those ideas and then you have that evolution of of idea like it seems like nothing's going to stop you yeah absolutely and luck favors the bold because <laughs> if you just go for it then things will connect with that especially i think when it's about something that's bigger than yourself you know all the there's everyone wants to make a contribution to making the world a better place and if you're creating an opportunity for people to partner in making that happen then you're opening the the space for things to come together and that i've experienced that time and time again and it's uh it's always fun is that how you got connected with national geographic was because you're always out there making those videos about being about exactly that yeah, it's been, you know, since that um, experience in high school has been one continuous line till now. This the, this first organization that I co-created in the U.S., um, we did, you know, these tours and we followed up with workshops and events and they just kept growing and growing. We started bringing young leaders from around the world together and these events are still happening to this day. There's been like 135 of them now with people from 85 countries. They're just these amazing, powerful events and they're small. It's like 30 people and it, they're transformational. They People come out of these events on another level. It's hard to explain it all, but they're really amazing. And I was actually invited back to one years later as a participant, and I met this 
amazing group of people just doing the most incredible, important work in, in the world, in my opinion. And, and they also had these epic personal stories. What kind, what and kind so of I thought, doing? you know, for example, my friend Tashka Yawanawa, he was from the middle of the rainforest and at 26 years old became chief of his community and was responsible for 100,000 hectares of rainforest and 150 people. And they were in dire straits when he was, the, the community was really divided and, you know, they'd been heavily impacted just throughout the process of colonization from the rubber tappers to the missionaries. Right. Um, you know, they'd been through it all. The next community downriver from them had, has completely disappeared. They were right on the edge of, of that impact and they were quite destabilized. He was the only person that the entire community could agree upon. He's just this incredible character. He had had malaria when he was really young and almost died. And his father packed him out to the nearest missionary hospital. It was like this epic journey through the rainforest and down the river. And he got there and he said, can you save my son? And they looked at him and they said, all we can do is offer him a place to die. And miraculously, Tashka pulled through. And I think part of what got him through was his passion for life. And then combined that with getting through it, Mm-hmm. doubled his passion for life so his passion for life is just completely off the charts and he ended up staying in the town after that uh, and going back and forth so he kind of he just took on both worlds and if anything is part of this world it's part of his world he just eats it all up this got to the point where he had a degree in computer sciences in town and had equal knowledge of his own culture you know you could say that he had a phd in Yawanawa. And then he ended up traveling internationally and connecting with another amazing woman who's his wife, Laura. And she's very kind of similar story. And they created this international indigenous organization that was connecting, you know, funding resources and legal resources to communities all over the world. And they had this, you know, this big vision. And then Tashka got pulled back to become chief of this one community. So they went in with this perspective of what they were going to do there. They knew that they were going to create a model that could be replicated. So this is one of the people who's there, just like this amazing, and everyone had this kind of, kind of story. And so the idea was, you know, in my, in my view, these are the real celebrities of the world. These are the people who deserve all the attention and resources for what they're doing, but they get very little of either and they're still rocking it. So my thought was, well, how can we flip it? And the idea was to take celebrities on adventures to go through a natural hero's journey that you know a journey is that traveling is and not, and not to fall celebrities for shine for being, the light on these guys yeah not to fall celebrities for being on their soapbox and, and the fact that celebrities though the, the right ones are willing to actually do that it's it's part of their journey as well as as an artist right i don't mm-hmm. I, i've met many celebrities in my day and everyone thinks they're all a certain type of person and really deep down they're not they're always trying to explore character and explore life themselves so they can emote it on screen yes they do a very good job at it yes they get involved and embroiled in what the media puts them through but deep down all of them are artists and they all want to have that emotional that emotional challenge saying oh well you only know it's because a celebrity did it well as long as celebrities are willing to put themselves there and, and go through that challenge then it's great right and absolutely and stories like those will attract people to help bring that story out to the world totally and you know like you say they're most of the time these celebrities are artists first they become famous and we look at them differently as celebrity but you know they know the power of that better than anybody and they're looking for authentic opportunity some of them are looking for authentic opportunities to use that power in a good way and oftentimes people just want to put their face on something or have the association and what we were able to offer them was an opportunity to go and just be the humble learner they didn't 
they it was best if they didn't know a whole lot about it uh, they weren't there to be the expert they weren't there to save the day they were there to have a real experience and being able to document that and, and show that to people who know them as a celebrity was really a neat experience for people as well so you know long story short this series was called for real so this was the for real tv series uh, that was on ctv and mtv here in canada and then national geographic picked it up internationally along with a bunch of other channels and that's how i got connected to national geographic was through that and with national geographic what kind of work have you been doing just doing my own thing being an explorer with national geographic is an interesting relationship <laughs> um the, it does provide some access to potential grants and uh, other resources and of course if you have something um, to distribute they can help push it along if it fits with any of what they're trying to do and then uh, oftentimes they'll milk me for ideas and information <laughs> and uh, write-ups and contributing to different uh, materials or books or whatever one, one thing I, I can appreciate from National Geographic is that they haven't been, made themselves too political they're not PETA they're not Greenpeace so they're making their message known in a very um I want to say classy, but that's the to totally the wrong way of, of saying it because not yeah, like Greenpeace isn't classy, right? But in a way of educating, education first, get to know the information. This is what we believe is happening, and here is basically evidence of this. And I know you love the cute furry animals, but yeah. it's cute. But it's not like they're gonna die. It's more like their habitat is being threatened by these variations, mm -hmm. and like they take more of a I think yeah. above board type of look at it. Definitely, I'm always pushing them to try to engage their audience more because they have such a huge audience and I, you know ultimately i think they're trying to make people have more awe about the world and share that you know through amazing pictures and stories and cultural insights and if they can really help people i mean we're just at a time where you can't be an observer anymore we all are participants in one of the most dramatic and important times in human history we have to own that and we have to take responsibility for that so they have a huge responsibility because they have a huge audience and you know their whole thing is making people care about the planet and bring the planet into people's living rooms so they have a great opportunity to engage people in, in protecting that and they're doing a lot more of that and they're, they're still doing it in a way that maintains a high level of respect for the brand and they have a lot of trust people will trust the science and the information that comes through that brand because that's the reputation they've built so you have a film coming out here at the eagle eye theater and tell us a bit more about that because it involves bc it involves local it involves salmon yeah, this is an amazing experience that I'm, I'm so happy that this film worked out. This film, for all intensive purposes, should not exist in terms of filmmaking. It just I, I watched it, it. It seemed pretty pretty well organized <laughs> to me and well produced. I think the only reason that, it, that that part of it is what it is is because it's an idea I've been brewing on for a really long time. So I, I had it baked in my head at least. But I got funding to do a two-minute online piece and it's a lot longer than two minutes yeah i know well i told <laughs> this was with the I let the funder know i'm like look if i'm gonna go do this i'm also going to produce another thing on top of it are you cool with that and i explained what the idea was and uh, he was like yeah if you go for it so we did we went for it we had two weeks to pull this all together uh, we had two days to film and then we had two weeks to get it done and so the reason why i knew it was going I knew I would come back with something good no matter what. And the reason is because I was featuring Alexandra Morton, who's a marine biologist that lives up on Malcolm Island, which is in the Broughton Archipelago, the north of Vancouver Island, between there and the mainland. 
is this whole area called Blackfish Sound. And it's this incredibly beautiful, amazing part of the world. And it's incredible that you can get there from here in a day. In 2011, I think it was, yeah, I was driving, I was listening to CBC radio and I heard Paul Kennedy ideas. And he was interviewing Alexandra, but it wasn't really an, an interview because he he knew Alexandra and how amazing she is. And he just said, listen, this stump here is your soapbox. This entire episode is yours. Go for it. Just right. talk. The entire time she talked, for me as an environmentalist, it was it was like when you hear a song that just expresses everything you're feeling and you just have it on loop all day. It just it articulates something that you just is so strong within you that you wish you could get out. And that's how she is. She's a voice of nature. She she's literally um, she's the Jane Goodall of our area of BC and of orcas and of salmon now as well. But you know, her her original study was with orcas and that's what brought her to BC. So I knew no matter what, I was gonna have something worthwhile. And I knew it was worth doing because these fish farms that are in our coastal waters are are ha- wreaking uh, devastating effects. Havoc. Yeah. It's yeah. a really n- negative impact that it's having for orcas and wild salmon and you know, everything that depends on wild salmon, which is everything in the coastal ecosystem. That's one thing I actually appreciated from your film, how it talked about salmon. Salmon is one of those rare creatures that brings life and it does everything for everyone else, everything else. It works hard to basically get back to its, its spawning grounds. It spawns and dies and it feeds everything. It feeds the bears, it feeds the wildlife, feeds of the eagles, and then it, whatever is left, of course, becomes part of the circle of life. And this the journey of the salmon itself is I think is crazy how it gets back to where it comes from and then feeds everything so yes it's one of those rare creatures that's very integral to the whole ecosystem it's astounding yeah. the deeper you go the crazier it gets it's just absolutely astounding and Alexandra sums it up well she says that in the film there's few species that can feed everything around them and still thrive themselves right and salmon are one of them and it's it's just so true. And what's really crazy, part of what why I was just felt so compelled to make this film, is because nobody understands the salmon. Wild salmon are in dire straits on our coast. It's, it's a very serious situation. What's happening? We really need to do something about it. There's a lot of rivers that are on the verge of not having salmon runs. It's just a critical situation, and nobody really knows. And so, for me as an artist, filmmaker, whatever. You know, I'm always trying to get the, how do you bring people's attention to what really matters? And there's so much that really matters right now uh, that we need to pay attention to. And we need to, you know, bring our, our genius, our just human creativity and ideas. And if we can put our attention to it, then people can't get away with things that they can get away with when no one's looking. Um, so that's, that's been the goal of this. And that's why we had to turn it around so fast because we filmed at the beginning of June you know, middle of May, sorry. And then we wanted to have it done by the beginning of June because on June 21st was going to be when uh, the province decided the fate of these fish farms in the Broughton Archipelago Mm -hmm. um, because their their tenure were all coming up. That's been extended. So they've expired now and there's kind of this limbo period happening at the moment. And it all happened so fast. I didn't even even have time to finish it. There still aren't credits on the, on the film. I just got to the point where I could show it. And I, (laughs) before we even produced, I started organizing the premiere in Victoria so that we could get the word out. 
And it became a very valuable tool for doing that. And Chief Ernest Alfred of the Namgis Nation, uh, who's in the film, he came to a lot of the uh, the screenings that we were able to do, and it worked out really well to get the message out. You know, when we did the premiere in Victoria, we were the lead story on CTV News for the island. I, I thought it would, might be more controversial, especially on the island, but it was actually very well received, and people are really connecting with this issue there I, I it gives me hope i really think that we can make a, a good change here we have to so how, how do people get organized and get active what, what do you need people to do so one of the main things that people can do is email or call premier's office and let him know that we want these fish farms out this industry has to move to land and in other parts of the world it is moving to land aquaculture is moving to land because it's just so clear you can't externalize all of the pollution because it just ends up in our environment particularly what's happening here and in canada something that was amazing about this film was that you know when i first reached out to alexandra and asked if she'd be interested um, she's like, yeah, but you know, you've got to talk to Ernest. We got to go see Ernest. And so I was like, okay, great. So I talked to Ernest and we arranged for this date. Okay, we'll come and we'll boat out. We'll meet you. He was on Swanson Island at an occupation where he'd been for almost a year. So we arranged to go see him on this day. Well, a week later, he got an eviction notice from Marine Harvest to leave his traditional territory on that day. And this was just one of the coincidences that happened with this film of the two days that we had to film. And that day ended up being the only sunny day within two weeks before and after <laughs> that, like, it's just off the charts. Oh, it was ridiculous. Okay. And what they organized in response to Marine well, Harvest tribes, was, right? yeah. yeah, they organized this huge flotilla. People from all the communities came in and were like, they delivered their response. They're like, no, you leave. This is our territory. And it, it's just such an affront that a company from Norway would give an eviction notice to BC First Nations in their own territory. I don't know. I, I, mean, I don't know what the thinking is there. It's like we write a letter with a lawyer. I don't know. <laughs> it just well, they're just so out of touch. It's complete yeah. tone deaf. I mean, they're making decisions in Norway, and it's filtering down to BC, and they just have no clue. It, they're that disconnected, and they're yeah. and it, well, it, it reflects how little they notice, yeah. care about the impact they're having as well. They just have an opportunity to make money. Alexandra has been to Norway. Alexandra Morton has been to the shareholders meetings and she's explained what's happening. And they've basically said, you know, we have a responsibility to make money. That's our role as a corporation. And if your laws let this happen, then that's on you, not us. You go deal with your own people. Yeah. So that's where things are at. And people of BC who care about salmon, who care about orcas, who care about the coastal environment, this right now is the time to call the premier's office and make our voices heard. And and your your film is actually quite powerful, and you're managed to to capture the emotion of Alexandra very well, and also with your host, uh, and then sort of combine it into a very very artistic piece. And it, it got me sort of like wow, I, I had no idea, you know, and it, it actually it hit me in a certain way where it's like this is really overlooked this is something i actually had no idea it was that bad i know there's fish farms and i know there's been some issues but to the, to the extent where it's eliminating almost 90 percent of the salmon runs and and actually uh, poisoning other animals around why is anything happening and you had a clip in there with paul horgan said two years that they're going to shut these things down or like when their lease is up in two years they're going away where is that is that actually happening or is that just a, something he made on the campaign trail yeah, that was just something he said in the the big house with the Namgis and a bunch of other nations in the Broughton Archipelago. 
and they're holding his feet to the fire and we have video of him making that claim. Well, he made it abundantly clear he said that. <laughs> yeah. <the> <laughs> <laughs> I know. It was hard to hear because there was drumming in the background so we looped it a few times. Looped and we with subtitles. And we put subtitles, <laughs> yeah. So people could really hear it, you know, because it's just this archetypical thing of indigenous communities being told one thing and then something else happening, these false promises. And it's such a classic political move. And if there's a political opportunity for us to make a change, this should be the party that would actually do the right thing. So should start heating up Andrew Weaver too. Anyone we can put pressure on right now for this, it, it needs to happen. It's really, this is one of those situations where this is where civil society needs to express itself and, and make things happen. And we can. And first step is people need to know about it. And to get people to know about it, you've got to make people aware of it. And to make people aware of it, you got to get their attention. And it, that's one of the hardest things to do these days. Everyone's just so busy. And the competition for attention has never been greater. And there's a, a niche, everything for whatever your interest is, whether it's a Facebook page or a Instagram <laughs> streams or just it's endless. And it's, it's hard to, you know, the, fish farm doesn't sound like a bad thing, right? That's kind of why I did it in this way. I've always had this idea, you know, from my own interests. I love music. I love film. I love the environment. Um, and this really brought all those things together. And I'd been brewing on this idea for a long time. Like, what if you took music artists, you know, for real, just took kind of the celebrity thing and it worked really well, but every idea inspires the next. And so the next for me was, well, what if we took music artists and they went through a similar experience, but we collected sounds along the way as well. And then we expressed the experience through music as the climax of the film, but also as something that could stand alone in social media mm -hmm. as a spearhead to promote it. And so that was the formula for this. And it worked out pretty well. And Ashley Ball of Hey Ocean came out and uh, we had this, again, a magical experience. There were so many things that happened just made this work and make it actually be that thing, be this pilot, if you will, for this, uh, this idea, which ended up calling Hear the Call and this episode being Salmon Nation. Yeah, so it, it's amazing. Well, I, hope, I hope you do many more. Where can people see Hear the Call? Search Hear the Call film and you'll find a link. Well, I can always put a link on, on the podcast itself, but I'm talking about like okay. the Eagle Eye Theater. Like you, ha you have a big presentation coming up. Yeah, if anyone in Squamish hears this before Tuesday, November... 20th or 21st <laughs> the 20th is it? yeah it's the 20th <laughs> i'm pretty sure yeah the 20th this is interesting like i say i haven't even finished this film yet it's already been invited into a couple of film festivals and the first was the vancouver international mountain film festival and uh, just this wednesday um, it screened in north vancouver at centennial theater and it was a packed house and david suzuki came out and alexandra morton ended up making it last minute because of some plans that had changed it's just amazing. It kind of took on a new life. And it was also selected to go on the best of the Vancouver International Mountain Film Festival tour. And the first stop was Squamish. So my wife and I, who's also a co-producer in anything I do, she gets co-producer credit. Well, <laughs> Milani Moody, why. big shout Trust out. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, when you got a couple of kids, um, <laughs> your partner is your partner in everything. And uh, she carried the weight definitely while I was doing this insane project in this crazy period of time. When we were driving back from North Vancouver, we are thinking we really need to do something in Squamish and we've been wanting to since the film came out, but it's just tough to uh, pull it all together. So yeah, here we go. Tuesday night at Eagle Eye Theater there at the high school, 7.30. There's going to be like 10 short films, just all these 
it's the best of the Vancouver International Mountain Film Festival. So there's going to be all these super fun films. It'll be really great. You're going to be doing a Q&A too? Or? Uh, I'm going to introduce it. I don't know if there's much of a Q&A thing happening at this one. I don't That's think cool. so because there, there's so many films lined up. And they can get tickets via the Eventbrite, or is it uh, there's certain there's a certain place they can find tickets? Yeah, there is an, an Eventbrite. Everything's on the Facebook page, so if you just search uh, V I M F F Squamish, you'll find it. Awesome. And what's next for you? And more hear the call series, or what's what's next on the uh, Josh Thome series of <laughs> filmmaking experiences? Great question. Really great question. I, I don't know exactly. I mean, I, I wish I did. I would love to do more Hear the Call. Yeah. I would love to do more film work in general. It's, you know, it's always such an interesting dynamic finding the opportunity to, to create this kind of content. I have been doing some interesting live broadcast projects and some some short form stuff that within social media that I'm, I'm fascinated by that space. You know, you can reach millions and millions of people and they can take action take simple actions and some kind of I'm always obsessed with this idea of how do you follow up and how do you you know you're communicating something to people you're trying to get them to take an action and then how do you reflect that back so they can see their collective right. power when we when we used to do these presentations in schools the coolest part of the whole thing was afterwards when all the students would come down to our tables when we had a bunch of materials for them they'll be kind of looking at each other and having this profound realization that they weren't alone with these deep feelings of concern about the planet and their future. And the power that was released from that was really amazing because what we would do is follow up with a workshop and harness it and we'd put them through a few different exercises to kind of really gel as a team and then we'd give them a framework to organize through. And just that, just the kind of a one-hour thing at the end of school We'd hear all these amazing stories. You know, these kids banned styrofoam from their community and these mm -hmm. kids got recycling in their school and these kids did an energy audit of their entire school and retrofitted windows and did all this stuff. So I'm always looking for those little nerve points and how, yeah. how we can um, it's affect change because we need to do it on a scale uh, and at a speed that we've never really conceived with what's going on now. It's amazing how social media is, is supposed to bring people together, but really it's it's creating like these little isolationist pockets, you know, and of individuals. So when you have them all come together and say, you know what, I am not alone. I can affect change. I can do something. I can change something in my environment. It is actually it's quite an accomplishment, right? To get everyone together and get and get something done. Uh, but social media is, you know, there's a nuance to it. You know, it's, it's a yeah. tricky thing. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I know. I, so I am spending a lot of time, been studying, you know, really paying attention to what's been going on with the environment in particular for a very long time and certainly failing miserably at my job if it's to, <laughs> it's, it's to make it. You know, I'm doing my part, but really in the big picture, we're in for the ride now and it's going to be a very gnarly ride large part of what we're looking at is you know how do we mitigate this it's it's not so much about keeping it as it was it's really about how how do we mitigate it as best we can so that it doesn't spiral out of control there's some debate as to whether that's even an option for us right now but we have to do what we can we have no we have no choice we don't have the luxury of like pondering that part of it we just got to go for it and see or what we can do that it's happening 
I mean, that's certainly not helping. I mean, no. it, I mean, certainly if you're thinking of it logically, it's hopeless <laughs> in, in a way. Like I completely understand that perspective. But if you think of any of the projects I do logically, like it wouldn't make sense to even try to attempt it. And yet somehow once I step into it, crazy things start happening. And and, and again, it, I think it's partly because there is a collective sense of people wanting to see that change happen. And it, it's about when an opportunity actually presents itself to actually do something, then people will pile on it. But it's just hard to find and create those opportunities. But we just need to do that on such a crazy scale right now. Like, I want to do something crazy. I want to do something like everybody takes a breath together at noon local time, like 10% of the entire population of the earth, about 800,000 people. But let's just say a billion, play it safe, considering we're we're dealing with the fate of the planet so <laughs> why not if you could reflect that if you could map that and it, and there are technologies there's ways that this could actually happen where you could just see you could kind of create that visual reflection of what was happening in those schools where everyone could see that they're not alone with these feelings and with this concern and with this desire to do something and if we could see our collective power in that way i really think we could step up our game and that's we really need to do something like that and a breath is a simple thing. It's what you do when you're in a panic situation. You take a deep breath and it also connects us with the atmosphere. It connects us with the issue. And it's just a moment of contemplation. It's like this silly idea, but it, those are the kinds of things that I want to start playing with because we just, we need to do something that seems impossible. And if we can do that, then maybe we can actually take on these problems that seem impossible but we need to take a first step and just kind of get there. And then there's, there's this whole like Freakonomics thing that if you get 10% of the population to do something that's like this critical threshold for it to go mainstream. That's so. a good point, yeah. One point that we should all make is to go and see your film at the Eagle yeah, Theater start on, there. on Tuesday. And uh, I'll put the link for the Eventbrite in the Facebook on our podcast. And uh, if you have anything else to add. No, I think I've babbled on enough you're for now. Good? Just thanks. I really appreciate um, <laughs> appreciate what you're doing and keeping it local here. It's it's awesome. It's really great. Local people like you changing the world. Well, you're definitely going to be on here for sure. Oh, you got a lot of great material around these parts. There's so many great people doing amazing things. Um, I want to big up a film, The Radicals, which is also a really great film that Hear the Call screened with on Wednesday with some local filmmakers. Tamo Campos uh, was the lead on that. Yeah, there's just so much good stuff happening around here. It's really, I, I like that you're bringing a local focus. As much as everyone's kind of going global with podcasts, you're, you're doing a really neat thing. And I, I say I'm doing it backwards, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're, you're actually, you're doing something that, you know, is your passion and your idea and your, and it's helping get this collective message out. And that's, you know, someone was asking on the panel on Wednesday what we can do. And, you know, there were all the typical answers of raising money and taking political action and, the one thing I shared was whatever you've got to bring to it, whatever inkling you have of how you want to contribute, whether it's art, whether it's science, whether it's politics, whether it's the legal front, you know, everyone has an opportunity to do something and we all need to do what we can and we'll see where the chips land, but we just got to do it. And if that culture emerges, then it'll just build a lot of momentum and we'll have opportunities to acknowledge what's happening and celebrate together uh, when good things happen. And so that's part of, I guess, what uh, Tuesday night will be about as well, a bit of a celebration. Let's celebrate what we love about this coast and, and let's express that love through action. Well, you know what? I'm going to leave it right there. That's perfect. Thank you for joining me today, Josh. A pleasure. Thanks for having me. This is the Sea to Sky podcast. If you have a comment or story ideas, please check out our website at seataskypodcast.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Sea to Sky podcast. Thank you for clicking us on.